0: the NFL podcast still can't get to sleep from that is true from beautiful London England for the last time it's the around the NFL podcast Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal Ricky Hollywood it's not our last show it's our last show in London for now and it's um flagship program and it's not going to be just us handling the games uh, Nick Shook as he always does is going to help us out but because of the late time here it's we're taping around 1.30am um, here London time Shook and Gravedigger will handle the great Sunday Night Football uh, fu- Sunday Night Football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and uh, Greg we're going to get to all the games like we always do uh, but uh, your thoughts after what was been a
1: real whirlwind uh, here in England? Uh, what a time we've had! It, it's been insane. I mean, if it's our last show, we're going out on top. We're going out <laughs> with a lot of energy. We're gonna fake it till we make it. Uh, what a long day, but a rewarding day. Like it started with us at the stadium at 9:30 local time, and as you mentioned, getting back after midnight you know, talking with, with some of the fans there, and we'll get to all of all of uh, the sights and scenes, but it, it was special. Chris Wesseling, our friend, you know, being remembered on the on the big board. We'll, we'll talk about that, but it, that's what I'm going to remember for the rest of my life from this trip, more, more than anything that happened uh, between the Jets and the Falcons.
0: Yeah, Jets, Falcons, we were at the game today, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit from uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, yeah, there was a... Uh, Tribute on the big screen for Chris Wessling, our friend uh, that we lost in February. And um, we also got to talk about Wes with uh, MJD and an on-field host whose name escapes me. Maybe it was Sam. I don't know. Sam Quack. And uh, that was special and kind of surreal with 65,000 people in that building. So, yeah, we're going to get to – we'll talk – we'll pepper in some – uh, of our memories of this trip throughout the show but yes we know what the majority of you are here for which is to get to the action of week five and yeah the the game of the day the game that everyone will remember the game that will be on every top 10 list uh, was that showdown uh, in uh, Los Angeles between the Chargers and Browns we're going to get to that when Shook joins us but let's start with another weird and memorable game uh, this one took place in Wes's hometown of Cincinnati 49-yard field goal attempt for Mason Crosby, who's missed three in a row in this game. Snap and placement. Here's the kick. It is up. It is good. Mason Crosby got it done. Fourth time a charm. Fourth time a charm
2: for Mason Crosby. (laughs) And the Packers (laughs) win it in overtime.
0: Wayne Larrabee with Larry McCarron. Exhaling as well, I believe. WTMJ. Mason Crosby missed three straight potential winning field goal attempts. That is not... I didn't misspeak there. Before hitting a 49-yarder in overtime to lift the Packers to a 25-22 win over the Bengals. Cincinnati's kicker had his own issues. Evan McPherson, the rookie who had won two of the first four games of the season for the Bengals, missed two field goals of his own late in the fourth quarter quarter and overtime. Uh, The last one sailed straight left, went straight, then hooked left hard and hit the flag on the wrong side of the upright. And, Greg, before I throw it to you, um, this was a a situation, five missed kicks uh, in a period of about eight or nine game minutes that was kind of unprecedented. I just want to hear from McPherson, who was celebrating winning the game on the field and had to be grabbed by his own teammates, and and they were like, bro, (laughs) you missed. Here's McPherson after the game.
3: For me, what I saw is I struck it really well. Um, and I saw it going right down the middle. So, I mean, I couldn't really tell you. Maybe a big gust of wind caught it right at the last second. But uh, I struck it well. And honestly, I thought the refs were playing a game with us whenever they, I saw. I looked down there and they were doing the no-good motion. Uh, honestly, thought they are playing a game because I, I struck it really well and I was real confident. That would have been a
0: really mean trick, Greg, if the referees were just <laughs> missing, messing with them. But that is not
1: the case. Uh, the Packers survived. I uh, would love it if officials just did that every once in a while, just kind of mess with players' minds just because they're bored. (laughs) Psych! Maybe it makes sense that the wind took it uh, wide because Mason Crosby talked to Peter King while we were on Sky Sports, so we heard that secondhand that he thought there was a crosswind that affected a lot of these kicks, and that McPherson one especially looked good, and on a day where... Before we even got into the stadium, we were walking around doing these little events and I saw uh, a Bengals fan, probably um, (laughs) like a sad man ultimately, but a hopeful man wearing an Evan McPherson jersey to the game. I could have sworn I saw two Evan McPherson jerseys at the game, but maybe I just saw the same guy. Well, the other guy
0: was Evan McPherson. He had just uh, he had (laughs)
1: left his uh, other cleats in the car and he had run back inside it, it's a shame but this game was so good from the first minute Devonte adams is having one of those games making everything look so easy dimes from aaron Rodgers, but what always gets me fired up and you were sitting next to me during this dan was like ha- have some stones zach taylor have some stones matt lafleur you guys are both repeatedly playing to your kicker instead of playing to your quarterback. And maybe Joe Burrow hasn't totally earned that right. He did throw up a pretty ghastly interception that should have ended the game on the first possession of overtime. But on the other side, it's Aaron Rodgers. One of those possessions, he literally didn't throw the ball. He handed it off twice for negative five yards before Crosby missed one of his kicks. So it's crazy that in this era of like ultra analytics and like everyone is looking for these small edges that even the smartest young coaches and I'd put LaFleur in that group seem to really blow it with this you know game management and still playing so conservative in these moments pay, playing to long kicks.
0: Yeah, I, I thought, and it, it can happen to veteran coaches, rookie coaches, obviously uh, sometimes um, the moment a game gets weird, it gets late in the game. The stakes are high. And you start coaching a little tight. And I thought that's what we saw from both coaches in this game. But especially what happened uh, sending Crosby out there. But I will say this. Sending him out there for the 49-yarder on fourth and inches when your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. We first guessed the move. Um, and then, of course, he he, he put it through. Uh, still doesn't mean it was the right move. and um, But it does show well, we that first the Packers.
1: The, the, f- the five before that or four of them before that. So yeah, we were right yeah. on those. But, like, Mason Crosby is a guy,
0: they love Mason Crosby. He's been there forever. Uh, I think he had hit 28 in a row uh, before the first miss. So things were very strange, obviously, and and I do buy into the wind situation. You could see it on some of those kicks where the ball just went uh, hooking to the left on one side of the field. But, you know, I thought this was for the Packers. Again, they're 4-1, which is where they expected to be through five games right in that range. And the, but for Cincinnati, this one hurts a lot because I think it was an emotional, exciting uh, win on Thursday night, uh, 10 days ago, but it was against obviously the Jaguars. Uh, Still, there was a lot of excitement. If you found a way to win this game and they came so close, uh, they become one of the bigger stories in football. And I still think they can be because there's a lot of exciting players on this team and they seem to be going in the right direction. But, Not being able to finish this could haunt them. It
1: hurts. It was
4: insane. I mean, the last two seasons, Crosby's missed only two field goals, and then he missed three consecutive today. Like that, it's like worth betting on him. But in this situation, it was it was so wild, and I think it's also important to, to well, right? I mean, you know, like having a hunch. Um, I also think it's important to note that Joe Burrow went to the hospital with like a constricted throat that he played through most of the game with that they're saying now. Like that's insane. Florio
1: uh, reported on Football Night in America that they think it's not going to be a major issue, so that is good to hear, although you, you never know. It's still early, but it sounds like he's not going to spend too much time there and he'll be out, and and that's great. And uh, it was the game. If you didn't hit this point already that, like, man, Jamar Chase is special and man, he attacks those balls, the the catch he made in overtime would have been what we led the entire show with, I think, if McPherson had just hit that kick because he is – coming up with a special player or two now every week and justifying that draft pick and then some. Yeah, he's been really special, and, and what he wants to be is what Devontae Adams is now,
0: 206 yards on 11 catches. Uh, so Packers in a good spot. Bengals, very disappointing. Got some bad luck there. They will be okay, but they're not the story. Let's now move to the story here in England, the game that we were at here today. Going to hand the ball to Davis, and Mike Davis keeps driving toward the goal line and into the end zone. Mike Davis, with 219 to play, gets his first rushing score as a Falcon. Western WZGC with the call. The Falcons fly high over Great Britain. Mike Davis plunged in with a clinching score late in the fourth quarter, lifting Atlanta. To a 27 20 win over the New York Jets at a loud and festive Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Yes, we were at the game. And I, you know, credit to the Falcons, they played a much better game than the Jets on both sides of the ball. On offense, they played better. On defense, they played better. When the Jets got back into the game in the second half, um, The Falcons answered with the scoring drive, uh, ended with the Mike uh, Davis uh, touchdown. So they just deserved the win. Frankly, 27-20 doesn't really tell the story of this game. The Jets were dominated in all phases. And, um, you know, I think the story of two quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, a guy who a lot of people see, including myself, and I think, Greg, you you would feel the same way, He's not the same guy anymore. He's not the MVP-level talent anymore. But this game was a nice reminder that he is a very effective veteran quarterback. Uh, And when he's having a good day, like he was today, you could see how he's just in control of the action. And, you know, on the opposite side of that spectrum is Zach Wilson, who the Jets believed took a big step forward. And he did against the Titans in Week 4. But then you're reminded, oh, man, when when you're supporting a rookie quarterback, these things can happen. He struggled throughout the game, missing throws, looking a little bit spooked. And uh, that was the story of the game to me. The Jets couldn't stop Matt Ryan. Zach Wilson could
1: not get it going. I mean, he threw some groaners. He threw some groaners last week, to be fair. He had more turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, against Tennessee than in any game this season. And he just hit the big place. And that's what he's going to have to do to survive this rookie season because right now he's lost. I mean, he's mentally... Not there. I think Dean P's cooked him up. He's missing some pretty easy throws here and there, but I'm thinking of the biggest play that they had offensively was that pass interference, which was a you know a negative graded play by Zach Wilson. He he rolls out, he waits way too long uh, on the throw, and then he's a little underthrown uh, on that throw and gets the pi. But that's to me indicative where he's just processing so slow that the rest of the team can't make up for it. Defense playing fine. Special teams playing fine. The crowd's going crazy. I mean, the Falcons, they pretended like this is a home game for them. They they get one less home game in Atlanta this year. Uh, But the Jets crowd had to have been three or four to one. And when the Jets hit that two-point conversion to cut it to seven late in the game, it was rocking. It is really a Super Bowl atmosphere in London, which is so weird because it's Jets Falcons or it's any regular season game where it's at a neutral site and and it's really that loud and it's kind it's kind of amazing. The difference is when the Falcons score the touchdown coming back, they cheer for that too because they just want yeah. some action and like yeah, that's good just, it's just like not that as loud. stuff.
0: And you know, I thought as someone who is uh been following football for 30 years and the Jets have not been to the Super Bowl in over 50 years, so you could do the math there. Um, this felt like the closest I've ever been to the Jets in the big game. Uh, The vibe at the stadium was just so fun. And, you know, you had all the big banners everywhere. And there's giant photos of Quinnen Williams and Jameson Crowder and Zach Wilson, of course, (laughs) on the walls. And also Falcons players with a
1: huge billboard and poster outside of a stadium. Imagine that.
0: And I think, um, you know, I'll just say this. Anybody who's ever thought, uh, and I'm not part of the tourism board, uh, for England or on the payroll for the NFL. Actually, I am, but not not for this particular reason. <laughs> it is such a great vibe and a great environment to go to these games. Uh, so if I go the rest of my life um, uh, without ever having seen the Jets win the Super Bowl or go to a Super Bowl, I at least kind of got a vibe of what it's kind of like to be at the center of attention. There's only one game in town, and that was just a really cool – cool thing to be a part of so if your team is playing overseas and more teams will be in the uh, coming years uh, according to some uh, changes and how they're going to do the scheduling
1: uh, get here if you can because it really is a a unique fun experience it's like the Super Bowl if uh, people just wear Matt Schaub you know, jerseys or Ted Ginn jerseys <laughs> or James Del- Devlin jerseys or like Brandon Cooks on the Saints jerseys. You just see so many Bortles jerseys, literally three, at least four <laughs> Bortles jerseys. Like it just uh, is it's crazy. But it's also it's so pure. Everyone's in their seats like an hour before the game. Every, yeah. Everyone's staying in their seats till the very end, even when it's kind of over and staying in afterwards. It It's awesome.
4: We got to meet so many cool people today too which was which was so awesome like the atmosphere of the game was just so much fun being all together and being all together to see like a sold out stadium you know honor Chris like that was just like moving to tears and there were like you know high moments and, and low moments where you know Zach Wilson hits his own player in the head with the ball and then there's another moment where Corderell Patterson like stiff arm punches someone so close to me and Greg that me and Greg start like fake punching each other in the air and then I think Greg you also chirped at like young way Koo and he threw his helmet then that happened I mean to I like, definitely, we were definitely did right not there. chirp
1: at, at young way Koo but yeah why did Jets- you do that Greg stay out of the action the had a you nice ball return, so and I was just getting into the moment, and it was just like, like I don't even know, like let's go or yeah, like yeah, or so, something. And Young Woo Koo is like storming past, helmet. and he <laughs> threw his helmet. That was a bad. Yeah, we were we were stationed right behind
0: uh, the Falcons bench, and we were doing live hits throughout the game on uh, Sky Sports with Hannah Wilkes, who's a, a great, great woman. And we just it was uh it was just great. It was a great experience. But I just I mean come on I mean. Hey, Jets, how about this? How about you have a special setting here? You can't get us to the Super Bowl in 50 years, but how about we show up and get off the plane in this game? It's just, come on, why? When I get an entire week of people laughing and making Jets jokes about why are the Jets here, the Jets stink, the, you know, they're going to be so bad, they're going to be boring to watch. How about you show up and you put together an effort that gets people excited and makes people think what you want people to think, which is we're different now. Because all you did today was reinforce what everybody thought they already knew, which is you stink and you're not getting better. Mm. Bad job by the Jets today. Very frustrating to be
1: there and watch it, uh, but didn't ruin my weekend. Almost did, though. Didn't. No. I feel like even no. like this whole podcast is almost... Uh like, the games for us was almost a side side event to everything that happened at the stadium. Yeah, the so game didn't you... matter.
0: Get off the plane, Jets! Like, <laughs> you don't even have a first down. The The Falcons have, I think, 15 first downs. Like, all you Kyle, gotta do is Kyle compete.
1: Kyle Pitts is nasty, though. He is so fluid, and he cannot be compete. covered. And people that were waiting for him to break out haven't watched him play every week because those, those catches that he's made every week in it's the past have the been amazing. I mean, he is a great player, Kyle Pitts. Uh, and he, the, he
0: was overdue for a breakout game that was fun just compete don't don't embarrass the jets fans there that just want to be happy i'm so sick of it let's move on
1: oh the westlings locked up the falcons good job by you guys oh yeah we will we will at the end of the show i think we'll we'll talk about what what the rest of the day is like we want we want to hit all the games too and we'll we'll oh. talk about chris and everything at length at the at the end if you want oh, to we got do it, that. greg and i locked up the the packers so on the Bengals.
0: So eat it, Brothers. Let's move on. <laughs> a lot of, lot of game lucky kicks. It was not kicks. secondary
1: for me. A lot no. of lucky kicks have gotten your way. Snap
0: to Kyler. He fake. got your left lucky kick right here. Zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by D Hop. D Hop caught it. With Josh Norman draped all over him, trying to pull the ball away, they lift DeAndre Hopkins up in celebration after an incredible grab for a touchdown. There he is. Nuke had been a little quiet this year, at least since week one. Not today, late in the game. That was Dave Pash, KTAR, with the call. The Cardinals, they're 5-0 for the first time since 1974. A big-time defensive performance and a 17-10 win win over the Niners. Hopkins' 9-yard touchdown catch with 5-13 remaining. That was it. That gave him the win. That locked it up. And, Greg, this is Trey Lance's debut as a starter. Pretty up and down, maybe a little more down than up. And it's just, I guess, a reminder, again, and this isn't to, you know, get after Kyle Shanahan because he's in a tough situation. Just like Robert Sala and and Michael Ford and the Jets are. You have a rookie quarterback. There's going to be growing pains. But they're not, this offense is not just going to flip a switch, I guess, no matter who's
1: quarterbacking. They have a lot of work to do. And who is quarterbacking, according to Kyle Shanahan, is probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I I read one quote from Shanahan and thought, oh, maybe he will stick with Lance after this because he said in this game, I thought Trey Lance played well enough to win and we didn't help him. And that's the type of thing you say about, you know, a guy that you want to keep going. But then he also said, Jimmy Garoppolo's still going to be our starting quarterback when he's healthy and that he anticipated to be healthy coming out of their bye week. They're off next week. And so, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan, you never know what to trust out of him. But Trey Lance in the 49ers offense was kind of like the the anti-Chargers. They took the Chargers' attitude of always going for it on fourth down. They just never converted them. Four of their drives ended on downs. Failed fourth down conversion. So they moved the ball pretty well. It didn't look like two uneven teams and it felt like the the game came down to those fourth downs especially that that stop on the goal line that was one of the better defensive plays we saw all day. Oh, that was a wonderful play and it was the key play in the game.
0: Lance rolls to his right, uh makes a B line for the pylon and uh he gets hit. It's like he hit a wall. Uh two Arizona defenders and he crumples just short of the goal line uh and obviously uh that played a major role in how this game turned out. Lance finished 15 of 29, 192 yards, one pick. He also led the team with 89 yards rushing. And I guess, listen, if if the decision here is that Trey Lance, or Trey Lance, as he's known here in England, Uh, is just not ready and Kyle doesn't doesn't feel like he could trust them even to run a basic game plan or or Kyle Shannon is like, I don't want to run my most basic game plan. I'd rather run it with Jimmy G, even if even if Jimmy G isn't nearly as dynamic. I see that side of it, but uh it's like you're trading one uh low ceiling for another and if if, if you at least play Lance and give him the chance <laughs> they not uh, to they get don't some reps. They
1: they say Lance. We we've at we asked no around, they don't
0: remember? No, it's Trey Lance. Trey Lance, officially? it's officially. Uh, if if you at least give him a chance to get some reps, maybe that ceiling can you go give, him up. A yeah, give him a
1: chance. give him a chance. Play Lance. I thought he would help <laughs> the rest of the running what game. Time is it bust out? One forty. Yeah, it's. Uh, he ran for fifty yards. Other than his run, he ran the ball sixteen times. I mean, he is gonna. That is a tough way to play quarterback, and and he ran it for eighty six yards. But the rest of the guys, they didn't get the running game going. All right, we're going to uh, take a break, and after we do, we're going to
0: talk to Nick Shook. Shotgun snap. Baker rolling under pressure, escapes, heaves downfield. There is a scrum of players, and it falls incomplete. No flags. No flags. Oh, the bongos for one of the games of the year. Yes, it happens every once in a while. I remember it happened in Mexico City a couple of years back. Two offenses that are high powered kind of start getting on a roll, and then the defenses just leave the building, and you just start going back and forth, and insanity ensues. And that's what happened at SoFi Stadium. On Sunday, a 47-42 win for the Chargers over the Browns in a game in which uh, shook the go-ahead touchdown. What proved to be the game-winning touchdown was a touchdown that the Chargers didn't even want to score. Austin Eckler was pulled into the end zone by the Browns. Uh, Cleveland had one more chance. Uh, A little deliberate, I thought, overly deliberate on that last drive, uh, and I thought it cost them.
3: Yeah, it cost him, and and the drive prior cost him as well. You know, trying to hang on to a one point lead after Tristan Vizcaino missed the extra point, and and playing not to lose. I think, um, you know, not really getting aggressive, handing it off on it's first down, you know, throwing on second down, ill fated pass, and then just basically conceding and handing it off on third down and punting the ball away. You know, the, the, there's a lot of um, consternation in Cleveland with their punter and how he's. He's nicknamed the Scottish Hammer, but he, he doesn't boom punts like other punters do, and he didn't help him there. But it, it was more than that. This is a high-flying game. This is a game, like you said, where the defense has left the building. The Browns, a lot of their defense left via injury, and they were left with an undrafted free agent playing one corner. They had to move Troy Hill outside when he was signed to play slot corner. Um, and Justin Herbert carved him up. They had a couple blown coverages for long touchdowns to Mike Williams, and... The fourth quarter quarter was just an absolute explosion of points. You 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 couldn't look away because before you knew it, another team was in the end zone. In different methods, the Browns not one to hit the big play through the air necessarily, but they hit one to David Njoku. A crazy game. I think the leader for the game of the year so far. And um, one that tells you a lot, I think, about the Chargers and the state of the franchise with Justin Herbert in his second year. And a disappointing one for Browns fans, but... They should also feel somewhat good about the fact that their offense put up 42 points. Dude, the
0: Chargers had 26 points in the fourth quarter. The the Browns <laughs> had 15 of their own. 26 yeah. plus 15, 26 36, plus five, 41 points
3: in one quarter. <laughs> I mean, that, that that does not happen very often. Wow. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't uh, in today's game, even though it's a pass-first league, you expect to see some more defense. It's funny because the Browns had allowed 20 points in the last 10 quarters going into this game, and, and they got a stop in the first possession, and then they couldn't really do much from there on out. I mean, Her- Justin Herbert's awesome. Like, uh, we all know this. He's this incredible. Point, but um, yeah, a, a lackluster performance from them on the defensive side of the ball, and and when they had the ball, they trusted their running game. They rushed for 222 yards between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, that, that's that's pretty solid, but it wasn't enough to win a game.
1: Right. It's crazy to not win a game where they run for that much, where they put up that many points, and it's just... 300 yards from Baker, too. It's just Herbert stacking up his MVP case. A little early for that, but he's certainly one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the league right now. And it's just a reminder, like, <laughs> I, I fall for it, too, after watching that Browns game on Game Pass, I thought against the Vikings, the defensive performance, I thought that was the best defensive performance they've seen all season. And maybe the next best was the the last Browns game. But great offense beats great defense. And I, I think losing Clowney, you know, before the game, but especially losing Denzel Ward, because I mm-hmm. think when you watch those last couple Browns games, to me, Denzel Ward brings that secondary together. He, he's a special cornerback who is playing um, at his best. And him being out suddenly, okay, you're just a defense. And you know what? Just the defense can give up 40 points to the Chargers and end up losing this game.
3: Yeah, at one and point, sure. they also uh, lost Greedy Williams uh, down the stretch. It was in the fourth quarter. They were already without Greg Newsom, who wasn't available to play because of injury. Um, you know, these are these are guys—this was shades of last year's Browns, with Andrew Sandejo giving up deep passes over the middle. Uh, it's just the difference was they lacked corners instead of lacking safeties this time around. And Justin Herbert, you give him a ton of credit. I mean, he absolutely capitalized, no matter who he was throwing to. But the biggest thing for me, and this is in watching the Chargers on Monday night last week and today— They're a different beast offensively when Austin Eckler is involved, and he was a key part of that offense today. So, you know, in the third quarter, I guess this would be early
0: in the third quarter, the teams trade three punts in a row. Uh, Browns punt twice, Chargers sandwich a punt in there. And then from that point onward, you had Chargers touchdown, four plays, 61 yards, 129 129, uh, game clock. Browns touchdown, two plays, 78 yards, 42 seconds. Chargers touchdown, 11 plays, 75 yards, 3 minutes, 16 seconds. Browns touchdown, 5 plays, 75 yards, 2 minutes, 39 seconds. Chargers touchdown, 6 plays, 75 yards, 130. And that's when Vizcaino missed the extra point and shook. That is an excellent point you made to start. As frustrating as it must be for you and our birthday boy, Mark Sessler. Um, When Vizcaino hooks that, and he just gagged it, He at 42-41, hooks it left, I don't think there's any way the Browns play it that safe, obviously, if it's 42-all. But because they had the lead, and I think Stefanski in general has been brilliant for them. He had a 700 winning percentage entering this game as head coach in two years. But I think he kind of outsmarted himself, or again, in a big moment, sometimes this happens, a coach kind of gets a little tight. Um, you couldn't play it that way given everything I just laid out uh, in terms of the scoring. Uh, you can't give the Chargers the ball back,
3: and what happens? Five plays, yeah. 48 yards, another touchdown in 31 seconds by L.A. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the previous drive, which they capped off with the Kareem Hunt rushing touchdown, I thought when they got the ball in their own territory, I said, well, there's about seven minutes left. If this is the Browns who have closed out a lot of victories in the last year, they're going to pound the run down the field, bleed clock, and give the ball back to the Chargers with two minutes or less and hope that the defense can hang on and having that um, you know that was before that the, the Chargers came down and tied it and then missed the extra point point. And, and instead they go right down the field because the Chargers can't stop the run so the question is is First off, why is Nick Chubb not on the field? Because the first handoff was to Kareem Hunt, and then the second one was a pass that Baker Mayfield, you know, it was an errant throw. It wasn't really an errant throw. It was just, it was well defended. And then third down, they just basically conceded that they were going to punt on the next down by handing it off to Kareem Hunt. Uh, Why is Nick Chubb not involved to try to, I mean, the guy finished with 87 rush yards over expectation. Uh, He's obviously breaking tackles and getting more out of a play than is expected. Why is he not on the field and involved? That's one of the questions you have to ask him. But really, above all, you got to be aggressive you, in, in a game where your defense is not showing up. And especially because it's hurt, you have to be aggressive and try and get a couple first downs and take more of that clock off. And they just didn't.
1: We, you got to get a stop on fourth down. To me, the fourth down story of the Chargers is the yep. story. Is that's the, that's their four and one record. They're they're three for three on fourth downs in this game, including one deep in their own end zone. <laughs> you know, deep in their end, like the forty yard line, late in the game. Another one was a fourth and seven. It's not like it was a short fourth down. They get the pi on one, they convert another, and I still remember that obj drop on fourth down early in the game. And and the Browns hit one too for a touchdown. But like. It's just uncanny how many extra possessions and extra points the Chargers are getting off fourth downs this year.
3: Yeah, they got That's a lot a li- of credit for being two very well coached teams. A lot of people online after the Browns even pulled them into the end zone to you know let them score and try to get the ball back. You know these are very two well coached teams, two coaches that are on the forefront of thinking ahead. They're Twitter analytically. popular teams for sure. Yes, exactly. But ultimately. That was the difference. One team that likes to go – both teams like to go for it on fourth down. One team converted. The other one didn't, and uh, and that's what gave the Chargers extra opportunities that they converted into points. Now, Browns fans, of course, are going to make a big stink about uh, the, the P.I. that you mentioned, and I think it could have gone either way. It was a kind of even hand, you know, pulling and everything else. If anything, it's a no call. That's fine. Hated that call. But guess what? Football games aren't won by one flag especially a game like this. So that's not going to determine the By, outcome of the game.
0: Right. By the end of the fourth quarter, as frustrating as that was, and it was a very important call, it was still all there for the Browns, and and they got a little gun shy. And, yep. you know, so the Chargers, they're 4-1, and one, and uh, they, they are on both sides of the ball. You know, if they put it together, they're going to be hard to beat. And I feel the same way about the Browns, Chucky. even though the defense didn't show up again. These things happen sometimes, and they're all beat up with injuries. But we're, we've seen, even though they're 3-2, and two and, now, and they got the undefeated Cardinals up next, which will be a big test, we've seen how good they could be on offense. We've seen how good they could be on defense. If they could just put it together, look out. So I think as frustrating as this loss is, um, still the Browns are a team to reckon with. Um, let's move on. Brady drops, pressure coming, gets the pass away, oh, caught ball, 50, out foot race to the 40, it's Antonio Brown to the 20, 15, 10, 5, have Tampa Bay, Antonio Brown takes it to the north end zone, fire the cannons, Decker Deckerhoff, WFUS with the call, Tom Brady threw for 411 yards and five touchdowns, he never did that before, doesn't that seem impossible? He never did. 405. While like Antonio exactly Brown. Exactly
1: 405?
0: I mean, or how does that 400 I, or more. Brady threw 400 for 400 yards more. with five touchdowns in the same game for the first time in his 22 year career. True story. Anyway, Antonio um, Brown continues to be a major playmaker, uh, and the Super Bowl champs route the Dolphins 45 17. Shook, uh, the Dolphins were hanging
3: tight early in this game, uh, but then gravity took hold. Yeah. Hanging tight actually through the start of the fourth quarter and gave up a four net touchdown run. And then from there, it, I, I kind of sat back and chuckled because as soon as the Buccaneers got the ball back, they were not taking their foot off the gas. It was to the point where I was like, they're, they're just disrespectful with how they have no fear uh, in, in an opposing team's ability to come back. You think they were showing up the Dolphins? Is that what no, you said? No, no, not at all. I don't think it was that. I just think that they're a team that succeeds by throwing the ball and they were succeeding at a very high level, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, it, they had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Two of them were touchdown passes to Mike Evans of 22 yards or more. It was 22 and 34. Um, they couldn't be stopped through the air, so I couldn't blame them at all for continuing to air it out. But it showed you their explosiveness. It started with Antonio Brown, like you mentioned. He looked as good today as he, he has great. since his Pittsburgh days. His first catch uh, was a 62, or his first touchdown catch was a 62-yard touchdown uh, reception where he basically caught it at the numbers, broke outside by two defenders, and just outran them to the end zone. I mean, it looked like there was a jetpack strapped to his back. He just burned everybody down the sideline. And that kind of tells you who this offense is um, in terms of explosion. Because you know what you get in Tom Brady. You have somebody who is a master of pre-snap reads and get the ball out uh, on time to open guys. And when you leave them open—now, this is a defense that has two good corners in, in Xavier Howard and Byron Jones— Made them look like he was nothing. The second touchdown pass to Antonio Brown was a hard slant out of a trips bunch set where he just they basically ran Xavier Howard through traffic, and all he had to do was hit Antonio Brown on the chest for a touchdown. And of course, he's going to catch it. Uh, a complete performance from them, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Brady looking as good as ever, even at his advanced age. And this is you know after two weeks of a little bit of concern about their offense. You know, they can't keep pace with the Rams. They struggle to put up points in the rain in Foxborough. What's going on with the Buccaneers? Nothing. They just needed some nice weather and an ability to run away <laughs> with a game in the fourth quarter at home. I, I, I think they just got to be, you know, in a good situation. They were at home today.
1: This was the most, like, 20, 20 bucks-like game special of, the, of any they've played. Because that this is who they were last year. It was just kind of tread water for much of the game, and then, bam, you scored 21 in the fourth or you score 17 in the second. They just go Avalanche when they go uh big and the Dolphins are now sitting here at 1 and 4 and I know no one expected them to win this game. But they are 31st in yards and points scored and yards gained and they're 30th in points you know uh, allowed and 30th in yards allowed. So they are objectively one of the worst teams in the NFL and and it really is a warning. It's tough for these defensive coaches who are trying to build teams around their coverages and their, and their defenses. Cause when that starts to not work, you got nothing left. I know they get Tua a back next week. They're coming over here to London, but Henry Hodge and our buddy was worried that he was going to be in the same situation that Dan was uh, after a, a, a difficult London defeat thinking like what, where is this season going?
3: Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I give a lot of credit for Jacoby Brissett for playing through that injury, but this is basically who they're going to be. Even with Tua coming back, I, I don't really see them taking a big step forward when they have the football. Now, they were in this game, and you give them credit for that. They were competitive until the fourth quarter, but ultimately I haven't seen a performance from them that tells me that you – know, they had that close one against the Raiders, and that's great, but like, I haven't seen a performance from them that tells me that, that they're a legit contender or that they're going to get anywhere near where they were last season. So – uh, it, it, you're right. It's it's tough to to kind you know you, you think that they don't get after the quarterback that much. Well, they actually Tom Brady was under pressure a decent amount today, but he was just really good lot. under pressure. And, and right. so it, it, you know it, it, there's not a lot to say other than that you hope that they turn around and start heading upward. But it, it's yeah, been a tough a, stretch for them. I don't really hope. That's fine. The Dolphins <laughs> keep
0: losing, too. A misery enjoys <laughs> company. Um, all right. So the Dolphins needed to win. They didn't get it. The Pittsburgh Steelers needed a win. Did they against the Broncos? Let's check it out. Bridgewater counts. Gets the shotgun snap. He's back on fourth down. Throws it for the end zone. Intercepted! And that is Jake Pierre! And the Steelers intercept on fourth the down. The play is an interception by the defense. First down, Pittsburgh. And they've secured their victory, a much-awaited victory. Bill Hillgrove with the call, WDVE. The Broncos... You know, they were down by 18 in the fourth quarter, but then Teddy Bridgewater and the offense got hot. But James Pierre stepped up with 11 seconds to play. End zone interception. Steelers fans, exhale. Steelers, exhale. You are back in the win column. 27-19, three-game losing streak over. And uh, shook the uh, good vibes around the Broncos start. Now starting to get some clouds above mile high there. Now 3-2. Um, it looked like, uh, in the little bit of the game that I saw here shook that, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the offense made some strides here.
3: Yeah. They finally woke up. Uh, I mean, the Broncos were had woken up before the fourth quarter, but the Steelers had some life for the first time offensively all season. You know, the, the, we talked about in the last four weeks that they haven't been able to score more than 17 points offensively in a game. They hit that at halftime today. Uh, It started with another long touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger to Deontay Johnson. And it continued from there. And it's funny because as I was watching this game, I thought, man, he's really getting the ball out quickly. You know, he's not really hanging on to it. He's not giving his offensive line a lot of time to screw up and get him sacked or, you know, force a turnover. Then I looked up the time to throw stats, next-gen stats. Ben Roethlisberger's the fastest when it comes to time to throw in the entire league over the course of the season. So he's been getting the ball out quickly. It's just a matter of they haven't really got anywhere with it. Well, today they got somewhere with it. He had over 250 passing you get yards. Get it out quickly when you throw it two yards to Najee Harris yeah. every day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Najee Harris had a good game, by the way. His first like legitimately strong game, I think, in his career, 23 I saw that. Him and Claypool. Yeah. yeah, well, man, that's Claypool. and that's the difference, too, is Chase Claypool and Ben Roethlisberger finally found their connection that they had that they rode to that hot start last year. It, 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 I felt like I was back in week six of last season watching them today. He hit uh, him on multiple days. attempts, long completions. He ended up with five catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown over the middle was key because it, it almost looked like the dagger, and I guess it ultimately did because they, the Broncos didn't finish off that comeback attempt. But uh, it was just really encouraging from the Steelers' point of view because – this is an offense that's been very stuck in the mud, and they weren't today. They they looked a lot like they did last year, and it gives you a little bit of uh, hope that if they can sustain this, they have a good enough defense to be in most games. If they can sustain this enough to just put up twenty seven points or so in a game, then they might end up winning more games than than we thought a week ago. It's just a matter of doing that consistently, and and it also you call into question, you know, who did the Broncos play in the first three weeks of the season? I know that they were even aware of that. Von Miller even said, hey. You know We know what the schedule is, and, and now it turns into playoffs when they're going into that Ravens game, and ultimately they didn't play very well in that game. So it's like, well, our opinion of the Broncos the, on the defensive side of the ball, was it a little too inflated uh, based on what we've seen from them in the last two weeks? That could be true. I know the Steelers capitalized on that today. So it's a little bit of let's wait and see, but it's better for the Steelers now at two and three than it would have looked if they were one and four going into next week. Did your opinion
0: of Denver change at all, Shook, Uh between where they're at now and where they were a couple of
3: weeks ago, uh, a little bit, just because I wasn't really sure who the Broncos were. I mean, I know, I know, Greg, number one leader on the on the Teddy bandwagon. I mean, they're mis- and I they're, did that.
1: they're not who they want to be. They're missing seven or eight Sorry, They got to survive this dip and get yeah. people back, or they're not. They're too ordinary. They, yeah, and they exactly. did. They got they got some of their offensive line back. I mean, I I didn't take much out of that Steelers thing. They're going to have some variance offensive days. They were also lucky. You, you said like Roethlisberger got the ball out of his hands. He had one of the most ghastly fumbles I've had. All, all, uh, he's had all season holding the ball too long. He also hand delivered a terrible interception in the red zone where they ended up getting a touchdown and the Broncos just dropped it. He, you put it right in Alexander Johnson's yep. arms and if he catches yep. that pass and it's a different game. And in, in the last couple of weeks they, they've they been catching those Roethlisberger passes and this time they dropped it and they end up getting a touchdown a couple of plays later after a penalty. Hey um Graver
0: can you jump in a second? I just noticed now Greg that you know we're having Gravedigger um join the show uh, to do the Sunday Night Football recap uh, with Shook, but they've never met before. So this is like one of those great <laughs> experiments in chemistry. And we just got to we just got to hope it all goes for the best. If you guys want to exchange pleasantries right now, ahead of the recap coming up
3: later tonight, Greg, uh, Erica, and myself will get out of the way. <laughs> hey, hey, Graver. I'm Nick. Uh, I'm the bald guy on the screen. And looking forward to doing Sunday night with you. Hopefully it goes as well as it did for the Steelers today. <laughs> we'll see.
2: Hey Nick, big fan, long time listener of this first show. So, yeah, not maybe not the first time, but you know, excited to do Sunday night with you.
0: You can't, you can't, you can't create that chemistry in a lab. Yeah. That's just natural, baby. Get ready, Chiefs Bills coming up later. Uh, Shook, thank you,
1: buddy, uh, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the pond. All right, thanks. That was like a a really bad Tinder date or something. I don't know what was going on there. All right, let's move on.
0: Prescott in the gun. They blitz him. Prescott throws it down the right side for Lamb. Caught it. 10-5. Dancing in. Touchdown. They need a play. There's a play. Brad Sham, the Sham God, with the call for KRLD. Dak Prescott threw for three touchdowns. One day before the anniversary of that ankle injury in the same building against the same team, the Cowboys ride strong, and they ride on 44-20 over the... I'm not talking about injuries. Looking, uh, listen, attrition is part of the NFL. It sucks, but it's true, and the Giants know all about it. Saquon Barkley steps on um, the foot of another player at the conclusion of a play when he's looking the other direction, and it blows up so incredibly quickly on the sideline that he's carted off. And I think there might be a, Ricky, if you could check, I thought I saw maybe an update pop up, but I didn't get a good look at it. He's out of the game. Daniel Jones gets knocked out uh, late in the first half, literally um, concussed on a uh, scramble uh, where he got up woozy, really a scary moment. Kenny Galladay also leaves with a knee injury. So a game that was 10-10. Uh, after Mike Lennon comes in and hands off on fourth and inches at the goal line to tie the game. um, The Cowboys go right down the field to pull ahead 17-10, and then you kind of knew, Greg, what was going to happen after that. With the Giants as decimated as they are, and with the Cowboys as good as they are at Jarrow World, it turns into a blowout, 44-20.
1: Yeah, like the let Glennon cook uh, philosophy didn't really pay off. They scored 10 points in the second half. What are you going to do? It's just so crazy how big of a difference there is between one and four and two and three. The Steelers, like, at two and three, you're like, okay. We, they, you know, they, they could stay around, with the Patriots at two and three. It's like, okay, like, at least the Giants at one and four, and because of these injuries, just feels like everything from last week is totally erased, and then some. Gun. Kadarius Tony, Like, the one guy who's popping off the screen, and you see that burst with him today, he ends up getting kicked out of the game late because of fighting uh, and he gets hurt in the game and was seen on a cart afterwards too so he's hurt too he who knows he might be suspended for next week's game and it suddenly just feels not like the lights are out for Joe Judge or anything but that if the Giants come back to be relevant this year that would that would be a big surprise so
0: here's the situation with the NFC East and how it's different from last year uh, last year, even before Dak went out with that ankle injury, the Cowboys were kind of a mess. They they couldn't get a stop on defense and, and they were in a tough spot. And you just knew that when it came down to it, seven or eight wins was going to win that division and everyone else was going to be below 500 and that would be it. And that's how it played out. Now we don't, we know that's not how the East is going to play out barring another injury to the Cowboys. Um, they are going to be a team that we, you. it appears now, I mean, five games into the season, this looks like a 10, 12, the maybe defense carried them for most of this team. game. Like, yes.
1: Like, Daniel they Jones are... was one for eight. Like, even before Daniel Jones left, he finished five for 13, and they're getting pressure. Like, they're they're a legitimately good defense, a better-than-average defense, and even if they're average. Trayvon
0: Diggs had another pick. He's up to six in five games, maybe seven, and and he is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And like the, the Chargers, when things are clicking, like the Browns, when things are clicking, the Cowboys are now out of nowhere in that category, not that. the – they don't have maybe the the uh the peak defensively. The Bills I'll throw in there as well is another team that has really big days on both sides of the ball. Uh the Bucks, of course, as well. Like the Cowboys maybe you say it's a little premature to say they're that team, but they are putting it up week after week. Uh big performances on both sides of the ball. And uh, you know, I think that if you're a Cowboys fan, you are feeling very good about this division. And if you're a Giants fan because there's no uh, path to the division title, most likely, you're going to have to go on
1: an incredible winning streak at some point, and nothing tells you that this Giants team is going to do that. Every year, you know, I used to write the, the debrief, the Sunday night sort of <laughs> recapping the week. Or what happened to you that? You see this. I think there's some version of it now, but I, I stopped doing it. I don't even know. They're not using that name. But every year, it's like one one of the Sundays, the, the headline of it would be like, separation Sunday. You know, it's like this is where the divisions were decided and separated. Like today was separation Sunday. Like the NFC West is over; it's separated, three game, you know, a couple game lead there. The the I mean the uh, The NFC East. The NFC West though kind of had a separation Sunday too. We talked about coming into the week where the Rams and Cardinals have really pulled ahead. Like it it totally matters what the teams in your division are doing, and the rest of the NFC East has to feel pretty hopeless right now. You got that, Ricky? Just
4: out. Yeah, just out. Barkley has a low ankle sprain, so he's likely out for next week. That just popped
1: against up against the against the
0: Rams. So right, Daniel Jones. We'll see. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, all their receivers, all sorts of banged up, and Barkley is out. So this sound this looks like a because they couldn't the run the
1: ball from one yard out in the two plays before that, and so they had to use him running. And he got a little he got a little too aggressive on that. Mm. Brutal. All right, let's take a break, and then we will keep moving on.
0: Hurts is back. He gives it. He keeps it, and he runs in.
3: He fakes to Sanders, and he runs in for the touchdown, and the Eagles take their first lead of the game. How
1: you feeling right now, Greg? Uh, Like I could be doing a better job, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Same.
0: We're doing our best, people. It is 2 o'clock in the morning in London, and we've been awake – Ricky, I think we've been awake on average about 18 hours a day for five straight days. So we're doing the best we can. We hope it's okay, everybody. Um, Lift up
4: the, pull back the curtain for a second. I just heard them say like deep pass to Josh Gordon. And I was like, I must be hallucinating with the Sunday (laughs) Night Football game on in the background. I did. And I miss
1: Shook being on because I ordered room service right before we started. It arrived uh, while the show was on. And with Shook here, I could hit mute and just kind of chill. And you on were bending
4: over, eating your sandwich below the desk.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I didn't want you guys to have to look at me
0: moving <laughs> around. Greg missed Shook being so. on because he fell asleep during that 24 minute part of the program. But now we're all awake again. Uh, Meryl Reese Fairly. with the call, WIP. Jalen <laughs> Hurts. So oh, Jalen uh, Hurts. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Uh <laughs> running, he ran for <laughs> ran for two second half touchdowns on Sunday. The Eagles wipe out a twelve point deficit, beating the Panthers twenty one eighteen. Uh so it, the Eagles snap a three game losing streak. Good for Connie. You know, we're not we're not the only ones grinding. Connie had to be in a makeup chair at two A. M. for Christ's sake uh, yeah. this morning to do the pregame for uh the London game here. Uh what a woman. But uh yeah, so Greg, in addition to, so the two O teams. And then she got to go pe- home and, you know, relax. And when oh, yeah. and relaxes. Me, oh, she's relaxed right now. That's all <laughs> that needs to be said. Um, so the two teams, Greg, uh, that we entered week four. Hey, like, don't oh, talk about going? my podcast partner like that. Split Ends podcast, check it out. Okay, um, the two teams, the Panthers and the Broncos, three and zero. What's going on? Those teams are both zero and four now combined since twenty one eighteen. That's a tough loss for the Panthers. A bad beat, as they say.
1: I like that though. I like more two and three and. Three and two teams. I like don't want to cross teams out. I don't want teams that are kind of mediocre like Carolina to get two ahead of their skis and be four and one. So it feels like these two teams, you know, reaching the level that it's they kind should of an be. Interesting at. way to look at it, but I, I agree with you. I see. What yeah, you're saying. I just kind of like like keeping as many teams as interesting as possible. And one of the moments of the day for me is Jalen Hurts scoring that touchdown and doing the Cam Superman in Carolina. I'm sure he was oh, a Cam that's so fan. Great. I don't know that, but who couldn't, you know, I'm sure he was a Cam fan. Who wouldn't be? Uh, And to do that there after, you know, a really rough day for Hertz, where at one point I think he had thrown 20 passes for about 35 yards. But his defense, which, you know, looks a lot better when you're not playing the Chiefs and the Cowboys, kept them in it all game. Hargrave and Fletcher Cox both had big days. And Carolina and Sam Darnold give the ball away three times, three interceptions, and, and that Eagles defense keeps it close. And eventually they hit some of their big plays that they're always trying.
0: Yeah, this is a game that I think both Greg and I have to get close our eyes on. But uh, Sam Darnold, twenty-one nope, of thirty-seven.
1: I've got it, got it totally figured out. <laughs> I really nailed <laughs> this game. Really. You, did, there's you like got a, all the...
0: you're, There's like a glow to you, actually. Like the <laughs> like all the information is like coming out of your head. Sam Darnold, twenty-one to thirty-seven, one seventy-seven touchdown, three picks, averaging four point eight yards per attempt. That's way below the Gabbard zone. Jalen Hurts, not much better in terms of uh, yards per attempt at 5.4. But, uh, you know, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be with the Panthers. And Christian McCaffrey, by that I mean don't ask Darnold to carry you because that's not really who he ever was. And I don't think that's who he's going to be. But he could absolutely be effective. Uh, but he's going to need more help. Chuba Hubbard did a nice job. He went for 100 yards in relief of Christian McCaffrey, who you would think is going to be back soon now because he practiced uh, this week leading into the game. But they need McCaffrey back uh, because he is the
1: center. Without it, it just doesn't hold that offense. No. they Their offensive line is giving up a lot of sacks. 11, I think, in the last three weeks. Darnold's down to six touchdowns, six interceptions on the season. He's fumbled the ball a lot. Like The, the warts are showing a little bit, and I, they need to play a little bit better up front.
0: Speaking of the warts are showing, (laughs) the Raiders.
3: Play fake, fields rolling to his right. Hit as he delivers into the end zone. Touchdown! Jesper Horsted! Touchdown Bears!
1: (laughs) Horsted. What do you say, desperate horses? Jester Jesper Horstead, what a name. Desperate (laughs) Housewives.
0: Desperate Housewives (laughs) on Netflix. Justin Fields threw his first career touchdown pass. Congratulations, young man. The Bears defense. Falling out here. Shut down the Raiders. Offense 20 to 9. The Bears with the dub. Uh Derek Carr. He manages 206 yards. That's two straight losses for the Raiders. The first time they've ever lost people in the fans, uh, people in the stands at Allegiant Stadium. Um, So let's talk Bears here, Greg, because um, Justin Fields, it couldn't have started any worse, obviously, um, his first uh, action. But now we're starting to see some incremental gains. And meanwhile, Chicago's defense saying, hi, remember us. Uh, we might be able to
1: keep this team in some games, and maybe we got something cooking here. How about that? They've, they've been pretty good this season, this Bears defense. I think they've been underrated. They've been top 10 DVOA throughout. They, they held the Bengals down. Uh, they kept the Browns in check for most of that game, and here they come. Sean Desai, you know, uh, a trailblazer, the first coordinator of uh, Indian descent uh, to get this job. A Fangio. Fangio. Yeah, disciple. Bro. And uh, he's done a good job, and and I think for the Raiders, you know, as good as the Bears' defense is, and as as encouraged to have a day like this where you can't score touchdowns at all, that that's just not who they need who they're gonna be. They're just they can't be a defensive team, the Raiders. Like it it is a a big problem after the week that John Gruden has had to put up a performance like this and then a bunch of the reporters, you know, get stuck in an elevator and can't even ask him questions after the game. It's just like suddenly all the good feelings from Literally seven days ago, are totally gone in Las Vegas. Yes, that was, and then at the bottom
0: of the elevator, it was Mike Mayock with a giant scissor cutting the wires (laughs) to the elevator. Uh, But some people did actually ask uh, John Gruden about uh, the controversial email that had some uh, derogatory, racist language connected uh, uh, to Demoris Smith, uh, the head of the players' union, uh, and Gruden very uncomfortable. Uh, answering the questions. Here's a snippet of uh, that presser.
3: You know, I'm not going to answer all these questions today. I think I've addressed it already.
0: Uh, I can't remember a lot of the things that transpired 10 or 12 years ago, but um, I stand here uh, in front of everybody apologizing. I know I'm not, uh, I don't have an ounce of of racism in me. I'm a a guy that takes pride in leading people together and I'll continue to do that for the rest of my life. And again, I apologize to D Smith and anybody out there. So, Gruden now joins the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, uh, with off the field controversies of their own making. And um, Mike Florio of pro football talk reported on NBC Sunday night that the league will be, um, you know, doing a, a meeting of some kind on Monday to talk about what happens next here with Gruden, but it probably won't end with a suspension And then in that same telecast, Tony Dungy first um, and then uh, Mike Tirico, his former Monday Night Football partner, both went to bat for Gruden uh, defending the man uh, and his character. Uh, So, you know, it is a a tough situation here uh, and Gruden has no one to blame but
1: himself. Very stupid. Right. And I don't I don't know hearing Tirico talk about it. It's disappointing. I'm it, it it put if you're John Gruden, you've put people in a, in a difficult spot. And I'm not talking about Tariko and in Dungey or whatever, but I think a lot of people who know how Tariko work with her are are rolling their eyes at that. You know, you know what he said was Demoras Smith has the lips the size of Michelin tires, and the the apology that he put up, trying to explain it, almost gaslighting people into thinking, oh, that he didn't say what he said when he obviously said exactly what he said and that really i don't think he's gone out of his way to own it he's he's sort of like kind of apologizing and he's using that line i don't have an ounce of racism in me which is always a red flag (laughs) if you hear that and he can think that that too much is being made out of it or he can not but he's got to make sure that his players his locker room full of majority black men um understand what he's saying and respect it. And they are getting asked questions about it and they're giving no comments on it sometimes like you're not unique tonight. So it's, it's, it's hard to know where that's going to go. Um, but it's, it's not as simple as the urban Meyer thing to me, to me, the urban Meyer thing is more of a joke. And this we'll see, we'll see what kind of impact it has with Gruden going forward. Yeah. And it just, where you see the Raiders are
0: now and where they were 10 days ago or whatever it was, uh, it is night and day. Uh, they went from 3-0 and on top of the world to now 3-2 and with a very ugly situation involving the head coach and a lot of unanswered questions about what happens next. Never a dull moment with the silver and black. Let's move on. Snap. Spot. Joseph. Excellent leg. Get up there. And yes!
1: It is good! 1917 Greg Joseph (laughs) You're the man I
0: want to thank Paul Allen Who's been sleeping in his bed For about 9 hours I think at this point For really pumping some life Into the show here at uh, 2.20 in the morning KFAN with a beautiful call there Yes Greg Joseph Only 2 G's in that Greg Greg Not enough With 3 G's uh, but a big victory for the 2G Gre- Gregs today a 54yard field goals time expired Vikings 1917 win avoid catastrophe against the Lions in their own building uh a game in which the Vikings lost a 10-point lead with less than three minutes to play to the Lions I mean the Viking whatever red- sometimes this organization And this comes from the fan of a ridiculous organization. Sometimes the Vikings are just ridiculous, and that's what happened here. But to their credit, Kirk Cousins got the ball back uh, with limited time, got them in field goal position, and Greg Joseph, the same Greg Joseph, he he, him Joseph, um, far and away, 1992, Um, the same Greg Joseph who missed the, the gimme to cost them the game in week two against the Cardinals, now saves their ass in a huge spot here. So even Steven... Uh, and after the game, Greg, Dan Campbell. Gosh, the Lions, I know I know the Lions aren't going anywhere. We all know that, but they're trying to build something, and they've come so close now to a couple wins and, and getting their hearts ripped out, and Campbell, a hulking man, a colossus. He's like 6'4", 260, all muscle and might, uh, reduced to tears at the podium after the game. Let's listen in.
2: When you uh, when you see your players give
3: all that they have and uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know you don't want that for them. So, um, but we'll be better for it. You know, and there again, credit Minnesota, but um, you know we we made the one mistake that cost us. You know, and uh, and so. Ultimately, you know, it uh, we didn't we didn't do enough to win, but I was proud of them, and I love the fight they have in them.
0: Ton of support, uh, Greg, for Campbell after the game. I, I mean, in which you love it, you love the passion. This is sports; that's what it's all about. But it's a bit of a high water, high wire emotional act in Detroit uh, for Dan Campbell. Um, I hope he's doing okay. I hope it doesn't wear out the team eventually. Because there's just a lot of emotions going on in Detroit. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's
1: a tough loss. You just think of the way they've lost games, and you think of how much like Dan Campbell and that team has put in, you know, since OTA's mini camp and now the course of the season. And it's like if at the end of our day, Dan, here, you know, however long it's been, like right at the end of our podcast, someone just like comes over to us and it's just like, loser you're a big loser you get nothing out of everything you've done this week and deleted the whole
4: show yeah right we
1: didn't tape the whole show maybe that's the equivalent
0: you you are going out this this window by the way if anything got deleted here there
1: is no (laughs) re-recording the podcast is over at that never
4: again never no show for the rest of time
1: (laughs) it's crazy i mean my immediate reaction was like what are you doing vikings like to have a 10-point lead, to not, to only put up 19 points on this line's defense, the way they've played and all the pieces that they're missing. And I, I go to look like, okay, what did Detroit actually do to to make this comeback? And their second-half possessions are like interception, one first-down punt, three and out, two first-downs punt loss of downs on on like a four and out, basically. And then they moved the ball 39 yards and 20 yards because Madison fumbled the ball to set up that thing. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And the Vikings, to Kirk Cousins' credit, really pulled it out of their ass because they had the ball at the 18-yard line with 39 seconds to go. That's less likely than what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams did against the 49ers a couple weeks ago. That is a tough situation to even get a field goal attempt and they got it. So you got to give Kirk a little bit of credit. And let's give – I mean, you cut – Justin Tucker doesn't play till tomorrow night. And
0: if you cut to the kicker club, he was in there, and he was waiting for people to join him in the kicker club. And there's nobody there because the kickers stunk today. They miss 11 uh, PATs. They're missing field goals. It's a whole di- disaster. That's I guess that's what's playing in the kicker club. And Greg Joseph walks in, and he says to Justin, you're not alone, kid. I'm with you. Joseph next made... Gen
4: Stats said that there was yes, a 42.6 percentage. Erica, we're the... trying
0: to close this show. We're trying to take this to the finish line, baby. Well, it
4: was a very hard kick to make, and I'm really excited that he made it. It was really fun to watch.
0: Joseph made four field goals, including a career-best 55-yarder. Um, but we'll finish. Uh, what was the next? Uh, Jets? No, uh, it's that okay. was rude. It's I'm basi- sorry. No, it's next basically Gen
4: exactly stat. what you just said. It's exactly what you just said. You just You summed it up.
0: No, I was, that was rude. I'm a little no, it's bit, okay. I, have it's a, I have a club sandwich waiting for me. It's like the first real meal um, that, that I've had since the morning, waiting. Uh, they had this, uh, listen, England is many things, but one thing it is not is a place that offers really good food in the uh, media room. The the duck wrap sandwich didn't quite hit the, hit the, uh, <laughs> the old spot for the old Zeuser, uh, so I've been subsisting on uh, s- things we could find like under tables and in bags, uh, basically foraging like wild animals. Uh, that club sandwich is calling my name and I'm starting we to get We only got little... three
4: more games. We've got it. I'm
0: just, that, I just want to, again, apologize for cutting you oh, off. Your cool. next gen stat was essential and trenchant, but that is hungry. Daddy's tired. Daddy's ready to get on the plane. Daddy really well, then,
4: Dan, you're going you're gonna to love that we're going to take another break.
0: Takes the snap. Now he's going to run up the pocket, climbing. Now he's going to throw it deep into the end zone. It's going to be a jump ball. Marquez Callaway is there, and I think he's got it. It looks like Marquez Callaway came down with a jump ball. New Orleans Callaway, touchdown.
4: Michael Thomas, who...
0: Mike Haas with the call WWL, yes a Hail Mary is one of Jameis Winston's Yeah, Greggy, four touchdown passes He also had two kind of grim turnovers That's just what it's all about With Jameis Uh, Saints beat the football team 33-22 So they're able to, Greg, move on While the Giants are unable to build on what happened at the Superdome Last week, their big comeback win The Saints
1: now move away from that game in a positive way they do. And yet I can't help but thinking has any quarterback ever played worse in two games where he's combined for nine touchdowns than Jameis Winston in like week one <laughs> and here? Not that he played bad in week one. He played great. He played fine. But like he didn't have to do too much in this game. And I'm going to watch it closer. Had a lot of iffy uh, Jameis moments, which. Again, led to Sean Payton playing a little conservative, punting on fourth and two, playing to his defense. And you know what? When you have this defense uh, against Taylor Heineke, uh, making mistakes in the red zone, and when it gets constricted, Marshawn Lattimore and the gang, like they know how to cover. They know how to swap off uh, wide receivers. Playing to your defense sounds pretty smart. They they got the takeaways they needed, and they ended up walking away, handing it to AK-41. We saw a lot of Camara jerseys. Uh, in the stadium today, and uh, he, he ends up with over 140 and two touches, and that's their recipe. They just got to get a little better at it. On the other side of the running back's uh,
0: tough stat line for Antonio Gibson, well, I shouldn't say that. He had two touchdowns, but 20 carries for 60 yards. You don't see that a lot, That the old 20 for 60 in a big <laughs> spot. Uh, and Taylor Heineke, he's he going to need help because, uh, you know, he's an up-and-down type player, and, yeah, he completed less than half of his passes, had the two picks, um, yeah, I still, you know, this is nice. I'll be, you know, looking closer more closely at this game as well, Greg. Uh, but they're in a good spot here now because they got watched. they took care of business against Washington here, who still can't seem to figure it out in a defense. I guess they just have a bad defense. Um now they get to go to Seattle to face Geno Smith, Greggy, who um we did our Thursday night recap and it was unclear at that time what was going on with G- going on with Russell Wilson. But now we know that ruptured tendon uh, that Wilson suffered in Thursday night's loss to the Rams uh, required surgery, and he could be out anywhere from four to eight weeks, it sounds like, and maybe closer to six. So it's Gino time, baby. A lot of sipping on vino, and I know you're worried about it.
1: Well, yes. We're going to be changing the name of this pod to the Geno pod. That's pretty much what we're (laughs) going to be focused on. Me, my journey with Geno primarily. He's got to play the Steelers defense. He's got to play the Saints defense. I mean, he drew uh, two of the better groups, uh, and he doesn't have a lot with them. But that's what the preview pods are going to be for in Geno. That
0: sounds like when – I was going to say it sounds like when – the guys from NSYNC started splintering off, but not not the Timberlake off, split off. They were like the J.C. Chazé solo project where it's just the, <laughs> the Geno pod.
1: Just, that, would, that, that might be cool, like a limited series where I just, we just really tackle the Geno Smith uh, in for Russell Wilson era and ends as soon as Russ is back. We might be on to something. I know That's iHeart's spin just off. giving podcasts away at this point, so let's Ouch. do
4: Ouch.
1: Greg, wow, getting a dig in at
0: 4:30 in the morning. Let's move on. Third down and six from the 13. Shotgun snap to Jones with a four-man rush. Throws it to the end zone. Open Henry, sliding grab, touchdown, Patriots. Bob Sochi with the call. No Zolak. Guess he's asleep too. Mac Jones. Quietly, I like Mac Jones' rookie year so far for the Pats. It hasn't been all roses. But he's certainly been more consistent than a lot of these rookies, including mine. Anyway, Jones led the uh, the Pats to a uh, touchdown drive to tie the game. Nick Folk then booted a 21-yard field goal, 15 seconds to play. The Pats survive against the Texans, 25-22. And uh, Ricky, I know you had eyes on this one because you are the resident diehard Patriots fan, let's face it. And uh, you weren't feeling too good, but they really did put it together, it seemed, uh, in the second half.
4: Yeah, I mean, if I told you that, like, a quarterback was going to throw an 11-yard touchdown, a 67-yard touchdown, and a 37-yard touchdown, would you be like, oh, yeah, Davis Mills? <laughs> like, the way yeah, that he it, had,
0: like, his passer rating dwarfed, like, any other quarterback's passer rating against the Patriots this year, which is just, like, a go-figure type
1: uh, situation but I, mean, I gotta he, give I gotta, it had to have been I the gotta, best box score any rookie quarterbacks had in a game this year yeah. just pure yeah. box score go figure and the, you know to the
0: Patriots credit Ricky they had four of their five offensive linemen were out of this game and I know it's the exact opponent yeah. you want in that situation but they were able to step up their reserves and uh, take this one home and kind of stay in the playoff mix early here
4: yeah, I mean the the you know, the momentum, sorry, Claybon shift really happened when the Texans like set up this weird punt formation like they were going to almost go for it but then they didn't and then he was like too close to his coverage so he you know um to to like his um what am i trying to say protection right and he kicked the ball and they like blocked their own punt essentially and so then <laughs> you the, never, that's then not the, the,
1: what you want you never want to block yeah, i know it was
4: it was horrible <laughs> so like they're like this the zero yards like punt um but the pats went and scored on their next three possessions and that's basically what won the game and, and, and as far as that like it's a it's a reason it's buried so low in this in this game the Pats like ended up winning it out but I don't
1: think it was from anything like super impressive I mean did this game even happen it's like the Patriots I couldn't tell you Texans <laughs> they got here's who's on the call today Catalan and James Lofton I mean yeah it's really it's really what are you say what are you saying, Just, what are you saying? What you have been saying, Dan, that they are just another team, is is being borne out week after week with with the broadcast assignments. Catalan and like, the other guy. I'm just saying they're <laughs> getting picked the lower. <laughs> eye, they're they're having announcers that haven't done a Patriots game in a long time. What like if we anything. all try to go
0: to a, go to sleep at the same time, like right now? Like if you guys, are like, one, <laughs> two, three, everybody close
1: their eyes. Let's see if we all fall asleep.
4: Don't. If I close my eyes, oh. I'm out. It's game over. They did score over. 16
1: straight points. They needed some mojo. This team had negative mojo. I know it came against the Texans, but any fourth quarter comeback where you score 10 points with your rookie quarterback is is a positive. And so, you know, anytime one of your you know two billion dollar tight ends can make a meaningful contribution, yeah, catch a Henry tush- did
4: touchdown.
0: Uh, that's good as well. So good job uh, by the Pats. Sincerely, I mean they're n- like they are not special anymore. We all know that. And when they're injured as much as they are, and now they don't even have Steph Gilmore on the team. Uh, They found a way. We're not handing out lollipops, but a loss there would have been pretty grim. And they got the job done. Let us move on. (laughs) Give me that club sandwich. Henry on the left side to the five. Henry to the goal line. Touchdown, Titan. The Uli Bulldozer. Now 29 carries for 130 yards. And count them. One, two, (laughs) three scores. All right. Greggy, I know you're not ready to fire back at Silva. Who, and he's one of the wisest football men, I know, uh, especially in the fantasy sector. But he came after you a little soon on the Sam Darnold thing. He, I saw him tweet, uh, uh, hit you. Up he on got Twitter weirdly after personal about it.
1: It was, it was important to him.
0: Yeah, he was sticking it to you that you doubted Darnold, and Darnold was now a star. Well, I got to say, the other thing about Silva, he said it's time to fade the big dog this year. Uh-uh. Don't fade the big dog. Never fade the big dog. Derrick Henry ran for 130 yards and three touchdowns. Mm. And the Might ja- have to fade the- Silva after that take. <laughs> the Titans beat the Jags 37-19. <laughs> that is 20 straight losses for the Jaguars. And here we are again. Oh. We are more than a quarter of the way into the year now. And Derrick Henry leads the league in rushing. 640 yards on in five
1: games. And the Titans bounce back after that grim loss to the Jets last week. The Jags defense has sorta of been overlooked in its ineptitude because, you know, Urban Myers Ineptitude? Yeah, getting getting danced on in the Urban Meyer lounge or whatever, uh and they were in Trevor Lawrence, there's so much focus on that. At least he's had some moments. The, the defensive staff, I think, that Urban Meyer put together and just the performance, they just seem so basic week after week. And so that's what you end up losing. Uh, you end up giving up 37 points to a team whose leading receiver is Marcus Johnson. You don't even really have a, a real A.J. Brown, and there's no Julio in this game. The Urban Meyer Lounge, I like that.
0: But is all night in the Urban Meyer Lounge. No, oh, no camera phones here. Don't worry. It's the Urban Meyer Lounge where you could be the man you've always wanted to be at the Urban
1: Meyer Lounge. Phil, Phil Wesley in the lives in I Columbus. Like, and uh, he's he's been to the the Urban Meyer's bar many times. He he's, he says he wants to bring us there. And now we can go. It's, it's, I a, mean, it's a historic that, site. That,
0: uh, it's officially a place that can never be taken down by a wrecking ball it is a must stop location in the history of our league titans good bounce back there the jag yeah 20 straight losses and uh we keep on hearing these stats uh peter king i heard it from him during the sky sports telecast he won four games as, he lost four games his entire life uh and now he has lost five games in 37 days in the nfl i don't know where the w's are coming but uh tough spot there for uh Mr. Number One overall pick. I don't even know what right, you know,
1: if Titans fan you want a little more like in-depth coverage on your team's performance. Hey, how about don't lose to the Jets and then um don't play a team like the Jaguars in a week where we're in London and it's really hard to watch all the <laughs> games at once. Right. You know, it's a sorry
0: also just we know hard. you tanked at the end of last year and we don't we don't appreciate <laughs> that either. Like the, the, there is there's something called uh having integrity. And I just, you know. Anyway, uh let's now throw it uh, to the pipe and the, ooh, pipe and grave digger in the morning. Oh! Oh. Mm. All right. Ricky, I want you to stay up till 5 a.m. cooking up a sound drop. Pipe and grave digger. Or, it's grave digger in the pipe. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Throw it to him. Sunday night football. Yes. Chiefs bills. Oh,
4: Sunday night.
0: Second down and six. Off to fake, Throws. Touchdown. Okay, he's the MVP. Yeah, right now. Emmanuel Sanders with his second touchdown of the game.
3: Ooh, we got a surprise. The Red Hot Bills rolled into a rain-soaked arrowhead and stunned the Chiefs, forcing four turnovers and an upset win over the defending AFC champions. Gravedigger, a shocker in KC. Are the Bills the new kings of the AFC?
2: Until somebody knocks them off right now, I think you have to look at them that way. I mean, last week, we thought the Cardinals were the best team in the league because they knocked off our previous best team, the Rams. Now we have the Cardinals struggled a little bit today. They came out with the win, but the Bills did not struggle. They dominated against what we expect to be one of the top contenders in the AFC. So now, I mean, it's a week-to-week league, right? We reevaluate this stuff every week, but now I'm thinking... Are the Bills the best team in the NFL? And it looks like maybe so. Although you really look at the the close details in this game and it's like if the Chiefs just protect the ball, who knows? The whole the final outcome could have been way different. A 4 to 0 is a huge turnover margin.
3: Yeah, you know, if they if they protect the ball, if they don't have to wait over an hour during halftime, at that point the Bills had a pretty sizable lead. It was 24 to 10, but it felt like, well, it was 24-13 to 13, actually, but it felt like they were starting to build a little bit of momentum. But I think the most surprising thing about this is what has been the narrative for the Chiefs the last few years? It's been they're going to hit the big play. They're going to be an explosive offense. You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. You have to win with ball control. You have to win by keeping their offense on the off the field and, and just you hope that they don't hit too many of those big-time plays. Well, instead, the script was flipped. You had the Bills. Josh Allen completes 15 passes, throws for 315 yards on those 15 completions. It was the Bills hitting the big play. It was the Chiefs scrambling to try to keep up and then digging themselves deeper and deeper, trying too hard, making mistakes. Like you said, the turnovers, it was very wet there because of the rain, but there was so much more to this. It was it. it felt like, um, like it was opposite day because instead of the Chiefs being the ones who were ahead or, or pressing the other team and getting them out of their comfort zone it was the bills a, a, a dominant performance that i think is probably gonna leave a lot of people stunned for many weeks to come the only question now at least what i have in my head is we know what the narrative's going to be going into into monday and into this week the bills are the toast of the town they're going to be jumping through tables all week they're all excited <laughs> they are the new kings of the conference but it is only week five can they do it again if they were to meet in the playoffs? That remains to be seen. They couldn't do it last year, but I'll tell you what, they got a huge injection of confidence with their performance
2: tonight. And, you know, the playoffs are all about the teams that improve the most throughout the season. If you just look at from where we came from week one, when the Bills lost to the Steelers and they had they had trouble moving the ball all game that, that first week of the season, they didn't have any trouble moving the ball tonight, and they, they've already made huge strides in just, you know, five weeks. We'll see, you know, you don't want to peak too soon. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. But what's crazy to me is just looking at the play disparity in this game. Like you said, the big plays for the Bills. 436 total yards for the Bills on just 54 plays. The Chiefs, 392 yards, which is a pretty productive game overall, on 79 plays. And they won the time of possession battle, too. Kansas City did by almost five minutes. You look at those numbers, and like you just said, you know, Keeping Kansas City offense off the field clearly wasn't the recipe to beating them. But this is the story of the Chiefs' season so far to me. They keep losing these games because of turnovers. They, they lost the turnover battle against the Chargers 4-0. to Lost that game. They had the fumbling away the game against the Ravens. Lost that game. You look, I mean, when the playoff seeding comes out or it starts to be more important towards the end of the year and we really start talking about those things... We're going to look back on these Chiefs' losses and think, what could have been if they just didn't turn the ball over? It's sloppy play. It's almost hard to evaluate the Chiefs as a team because they keep just beating themselves. Like We know how good they can be if they stop beating themselves. But at a certain point, if you don't stop beating yourself, how good are you, right?
3: Yeah, right. I mean, well, I think the other interesting thing about this too is their issues aren't just that their defense isn't keeping up with them, because right now they can't get out of their own way with the football. It was very uncharacteristic for them tonight, I think, in the way that, yes, it was rainy, and it, and that makes for a situation where you're going to have guys who drop passes, but they were making mistakes that you just don't typically see from them. Patrick Mahomes on a few occasions was trying to fit balls into certain spots where his receivers might not have ended up there. And, and you could see him visibly frustrated by the middle of the third quarter that it just, things weren't going according to plan. It wasn't easy anymore. And for these Chiefs for the last few years, it's been so easy. It, remarkably easy to the point where you're like, have we ever seen a team like this before? That, that has not been them this year when they've had the football for almost every game. In fact, the only game that I really... Think about where they really got it together was when they came back to beat the Browns in week one and really mm. got things rolling. And you look, uh, those are the Chiefs of old. And, and you know, we know their defense is going to have issues as well. But it, I think that they don't look anything like they might not even win their division. I know we're only into week five, but you're now staring at a two-game deficit against a red-hot Chargers team that doesn't look like it's slowing down. Got That you already lost to. Yeah, exactly, who you already lost to in a close game, who has that mental mojo over you now. They went forward on fourth and nine, converted, scored a touchdown, ends up holding on to win that game. They know they can beat you. Now the Bills know they can beat you. Now you're in a little bit of a spot where you're going to have to dig yourself out of not only a hole in the standings, but your own mental hole. Luckily, it is the biggest season ever with that extra game, so they got a (laughs) lot of time to figure things out, and you're right. The playoffs are all about the teams that correct the issues throughout the year and, and start to peak. Then you hope if you're a Bills fan that they don't peak too early. If this is not their peak, then you better watch out the rest of the conference and, and, and perhaps the entire NFL if they're able to get over the hump. And the thing is, is the team that was standing in their way
2: is the team that they just took control of tonight. Right. That's crazy. And, you know, something insane about this game, just looking at the box score, the leading rusher for both teams was the team's quarterback. Josh Allen leads the Bills with 59 yards on 11 carries. Patrick Mahomes leads the Chiefs on 61 car- with, with 61 yards on 8 carries. Clyde Edwards-Alaire exited the game with a knee injury, was quickly ruled out. We'll have to see what his status is going forward, but... I don't even know if it makes a difference for the Chiefs offense. I mean, I don't think offense is their problem. I do think defense and penalties, too. I mean, they had chances to get back in this game. I know it was really late in the game, but they did get an interception late that was turned over by a roughing the passer penalty. They just keep doing things to shoot themselves in the foot and and ruining their chances. But I don't know. I do think the Bills are, are undoubtedly the team to beat right now, and... As a Titans fan, and I think it's noted on this show that I am, looking ahead to next Monday night, that is scary. Titans play the Bills, uh, <laughs> Monday Night Football next week. And yeah. Josh Allen looks like, I mean, through five weeks, if I had to name an MVP, I don't know. It's either him or Justin Herbert, probably one of those two guys.
3: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. We um, Last week I wrote a piece for the top 10 first-time MVP candidates, You know, players who have not won an MVP before. And Josh Allen was high up on my list, but I, when I dove into the numbers... I looked at it and I went, huh, I'm actually going to have a little bit of a hard time justifying this. You know, he's not in the top five in passing yards or in the top five in passer rating or that type of thing. And yet when you watch this team every week, now tonight is different, of course. I mean, I know he only went 15 to 26, but those 315 yards, three touchdowns, that's going to stand out, of course. But when you watch them play football... He doesn't need to put up you know 350 passing yards a game for them to win. Maybe in games like this against a team like the Chiefs, but they're playing. They're a well-oiled machine. the The addition of Emmanuel Sanders again, I can't say this enough. He just continues to be in the right place at the right time for them all the time. I mean, you go from John Brown. No offense to John Brown. I know we got a lot of fans of, of Smokey out there, but uh, he has been an upgrade. I mean, in so many in so many ways, be, just because of his veteran presence and his ability to always be right there when Josh Allen needs him. He was right there again tonight, caught two touchdown passes, including one that essentially sealed the game late. Uh, It's like the perfect tandem. It's the perfect complement to Stephon Diggs, and it also allows them to not you know, try to shoot for the big play all the time. And then they end up just happening because Josh Allen, I think, has taken that next step. You know, last year was that first step out of some of the initial struggles of his younger years in the NFL with inaccuracy and everything else. Last year was the first time that he was able to really feel comfortable and, and like he could make the play and, and and change a game and not make a, you know, crushing mistake. This is like the next step in that progression where He doesn't have to go be the hero. They talked about that on the broadcast on Sunday Night Football that Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, Eric Bienemia tells him, you don't have to go be the hometown hero every week. Well, Josh Allen is learning that he doesn't have to go be that guy. Just go play your game. And his game tonight was, what, close to 300, over 350 scrimmage yards. I think it was uh, mental math, 374 just from (laughs) Josh Allen alone in a rainy game on a grass field where typically you don't expect that to happen. So, um, you know, it's... They're a scary team, and and the the other thing that really stood out to me, I think, that we cannot afford to overlook is, you know, know, we knock the Chiefs for making mistakes and, and penalties and drop passes and everything else. This Buffalo defense is playing some pretty good football. They're flying all over the field. There wasn't much room to really run uh, organically, not with Patrick Mahomes scrambling, of course. But when it came through the air, they were right there breaking up multiple passes. You know, making plays. You had uh, Micah Hyde with an interception returned uh, for a touchdown off of a tipped, you know, off of a drop basically went right through the hands of Tyreek Hill. But in between, they're making all the plays. Greg Rousseau with a tipped pass and an interception. No matter who it is, which level of the defense, they're coming together and they're playing more complete football. And that's what makes them scary. It's not just Josh Allen. It's not just Stephon Diggs. It's the fact that they're a very complete football team. And suddenly, we can't look at their past game so much and say, well, they were just playing Houston. Who cares if they won 40 to nothing? They could have won that game 60 to nothing, really, if, <laughs> if they had converted some of the red zone uh, possessions early instead of settling for field goals. Now they got a legit win on their on their schedule right now that they just recorded that they can put up on the bulletin board and say, listen here, rest of the league, we are for real, and you better watch out because we're coming for you.
2: Yeah, and I love that they're breaking out the designed runs for Josh Allen. That was the first time we've really seen that this season. The QB sweep type plays, the read option that he scored a touchdown on early It's great to see him being able to use his legs. It almost feels like they were saving that on purpose for this opponent. Like they knew they needed to pull something out to keep their offense moving against Kansas City. And I want to go back to Micah Hyde's pick six because even the Chiefs right now, I mean, I don't know how you were feeling during that moment in the game, but I wasn't thinking, oh, wow, now this game's so out of reach. That's it for Kansas City. Like you never think that about the Chiefs. And then they turn it over again on the very next possession with the Gregory Rousseau tip. He's been amazing, by the way. I mean, a lot of people were skeptical of him coming out because he was so raw. He didn't play last year, but he's been on fire for them this year. And in, in Miami, you know, the fact that they don't get the most out of their
3: players typically in the last right. decade
2: before they go to the <laughs> NFL and star. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Um but then the Chiefs did get the ball back. They, they didn't, the Bills weren't able to do anything off that second interception. And then the Chiefs go down and score. And it's like 31 to 20. And you're like, okay, here we go. The Chiefs are about to make a game of this. And with 13 minutes left, almost 14 minutes left, the Bills get the ball back. They actually, um, Isaiah McKenzie muffs the kickoff. You're going, oh, here we go. Bills recover, and then put together the drive that really gives you the confidence that they can continue to be this elite team. And yes, I mentioned this before, helped out by the roughing the passer penalty that kept the drive going, but Josh Allen had scrambled for a first down where it yeah. looked like he was going to get caught from behind, and somehow he didn't. Comes back for a holding penalty. Very next play is the roughing the passer. And from there, the Bills drive down the field, take off five, almost six minutes o'clock, and don't give the ball back to Kansas City until it's basically too late after putting on another touchdown that really seals the game, like you said, Emmanuel Sanders' second touchdown. So i was just thoroughly impressed by the, by the way the Bills were able to close out this game and not let Kansas City make it exciting late.
3: Yeah, and that's the key. You know, you you can point to a penalty and everything else, but first off, that wasn't a hold on the center uh, on Morse. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't know where they saw a hold. Maybe a slight grab of a jersey, but it was not a hold. It came in um, really
2: late too. The flag. Yeah, right.
3: very very strange. So to get that roughing the passer, it was like, yeah, all right, this kind of evens out. But you're right. There were multiple uh, situations just on that drive alone where Josh Allen's extending the play or he, he's scrambling or it's a designed run or he just takes off and gets the first down. That's probably what's most impressive is that's a situation where a lot of teams fold or a lot of teams start their meltdown and the Chiefs pull another one out of, you know, who knows where and ends up coming back and winning a the game. They <laughs> close the door, slammed it on them shut uh, to complete that win. And, you know, if you look at their schedule, you mentioned the game coming up against the Titans. After that, I mean, it's pretty smooth sailing until about December. Early December. We're about two weeks out from Christmas when they have a game where you're like, oh, here we go. This is a tough one. And that's Tampa Bay all the way in week 14. We're in week five. We're closing week five with Monday Night Football. Uh, well, when this comes out, it'll be today. It is today here. It's 1249 in the morning here in the, in the East Coast. But, uh, I mean, in between, they got Miami, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Colts, the Saints, the Patriots. I don't see them losing a single one of those games. So, you know, you go back and say, man, it's too bad they didn't uh, win that Steeler game. We'd have two teams undefeated in the NFL right now. And the Bills looking very strong, you know, into the next month and a half. And then on the Chiefs side, you know as they kind of recover from this, they got a few games. Um, they also play your tight What a tough two game stretch for your Titans. I know. You Kills get the Titans, and then Chiefs. you get the Chiefs.
2: All three of those teams <laughs> play each other in like this insane three week cycle. I don't know. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> but then, you know, they have, they get Green Bay in, in a month. Uh, you know, so they, they're, they're going to be able to kind of figure things out too. You know, you get Washington, Tennessee, New York, and then, and then Green Bay. So they got a little bit of a tougher slate. So that's not all is lost, but, Two and three. This is certainly uncomfortable for the Chiefs, if nothing more. Not used to being in this position. Usually they get out of September undefeated, and this is yeah. not the case. So uh, some, some hand-wringing definitely coming in Kansas City.
2: I will say, long-term, looking at the Chiefs, I'm not that concerned. Because, again, no. it's all about stop turning the ball o- You can't win a football game if you lose a turnover battle 4-0. to zero. Right. I mean, it's almost impossible. So I'm not like worried. I'm not concerned about the Chiefs going forward. They just need to stop shooting themselves in the foot stop beating themselves and they can easily become the team that we expected them to be all season
3: yeah and, and they'll be a tough out no matter what especially if right. uh, they're not dealing with inclement weather um, I'm not saying this yeah. is an aberration I'm also not going to go as far as Chris Collinsworth said tonight saying this is the night that everything changed because it's a long season <laughs> and a lot can happen but it's definitely a statement win for the Bills and uh, it's a good way to close out the podcast even without Dan and Greg you know we, just, we subbed in here get, get the job done not quite as, you know, resoundingly as uh, as the bills
2: did. But you know, we got it done, right? <laughs> we did. We did pretty well. So thanks to those two guys for giving us this chance to recap what was the biggest game of the week on the schedule at least before today started. <laughs> and obviously I have to thank Erica because she suggested me as the other fill-in to do this Sunday night recap with you, which I very much enjoyed. So thanks to Erica for that. And obviously, it's very, very late over in London right now, but it's pretty late. I'm not trying to compare, but it's pretty late for you two.
3: I would imagine they'll be waking up soon over there. Yeah, right.
2: (laughs) Right when the pod comes out. They could have done this themselves, actually.
3: Yeah, almost. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) They just have to catch the game on Game Pass. We caught it live, uh, and we wrapped it up. So, uh, yeah.
2: All right. All right. Thanks. We'll send it back over to Dan, Greg, and Erica to wrap up the show.
0: All right. Thank you to... The Grave Digger and the
1: Pipe.
2: They the did pipe a good job. Grave digger.
1: Well, maybe. I didn't hear it. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're, like, clearly pre-taping it b- <laughs> yeah. before the, oh gosh, that. Oh, my gosh. And the that. listeners can figure that out very easily. That was easily. so
4: good. I just think Justin is just amazing. Nick always does a great job. but.
1: No, but, like, we think that, too.
0: Obviously, that's why we asked them to handle the recap of one of the biggest games of the season. So, like, you – telling little fibs just seems completely Well, you want to talk little
4: fibs, you're like, oh, who's going to do it with Shook? And we were in the car service this morning and I was like, let's have Justin do it. And you were like, that's a great idea.
0: Well, it wasn't a lie. That was just you making a suggestion and me yeah, that showing that I am open to ideas from people, including my <laughs> producer.
4: <laughs> yeah. we're. I feel like we're talking about the same thing here.
1: No, but like um, the words you're saying aren't meaning what you think that they say. <laughs>
4: I don't know what I'm speaking. I'm not even. I'm not even speaking. But I just thought they did such a good job. <laughs> all
0: right. Hey, before we go, thank yous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the people responsible for getting us here to London because it wasn't easy. It was not easy to make it happen this year with everything going on at our company, with the global pandemic, uh, all the challenges. Um, that we faced as a podcast and personally, uh, and yet we still made it to London and had an amazing time as a group. So I just want to thank um, Henry Hodgson for everything that he did. Uh, Sarah Parsons, my boss, uh, one of my many bosses. Matt Schneider, Jason Kleinman. I mean, without those guys, this isn't even a conversation. Nick Pike, Nick Pike at the NFL UK office, for everything that he has done. Neil Reynolds for always being a mensch and taking care of us with sky sports and keeping us in the mix there. Alex Mason, his producer, who else are we missing? This is the time, Greg,
4: Steve Manny, and, putting together our pitch decks and all that kind of stuff. And, and Mark Brady for all the work that, that he did, you know, previously to get us setting here, the
0: table, Mark Brady. So great. we love that man. And, uh, it was such a, a special week, and uh, and it wasn't obviously the same without uh, Mark Sessler, who we hope to uh, be rejoining us once we get back to the States um, at some point, and, uh, of course, without Chris Wessling, uh, who was on our minds uh, throughout uh, this trip, just as he's been on our minds uh, ever since uh, we lost him in February. And, uh, Greg, there was a, a really nice moment. Um, we had our two live shows on Thursday and uh, we we came out and the place was packed and it's been such an incredible um, Greg and Ricky. It's been such an incredible uh, five days to see how our audience has grown as the show has gone on and um, the amount of people that we, you know, taking photos with us and coming up to us in the streets and at the stadium today, the show is bigger than ever. Uh, here in the UK, how many just, people like, yelled NFL "tugboat" is. from the the crowd?
4: <laughs> so I've ever cool. wanted Dan, in my life. Dan is was people flying. to scream "tugboat" from flying. the upper
0: deck, um, and uh, you know the the live shows which were sold out um, coming out there. And I had a this photo that I keep behind me um, at, at at my house of of, of Wes, this great um, artwork of Wes, and held it up to the crowd. And Ricky, if you could play the reaction from the crowd as we held up this photo of Wes and just kind of soaked in the moment. Uh Wes not being with us but always being with us at the same time. It was really special. Play it, Ricky. That was just oh man, that was that was really really special stuff and I'll never forget it. I
1: that mean, was my, just so I felt unplanned like my, too. My oh. heart was going to explode then. Like I couldn't handle it and I felt that and and more at the stadium today when you know when they when they said Chris's name in that stadium and they you know they and they introduced us when we were on the JumboTron too and it was a real you know it was a really nice ovation um in both cases, but of course, especially for Wes, I don't know him. Him not being there hit hit so hard, and it sucks because you just want him to be able to know the impact he had, and I, I think he did, and I I think he uh, I think he had this great way of appreciating these trips to London. We we all do, um, but. I think when he came off the stage, Henry was talking to me about it. uh, One of the first times he was here or just meeting people at at one of our very first meetups. And he just couldn't get over the fact that (laughs) all these guys, all these people overseas, like got such a kick out of him. And (laughs) he connected with so many of them on a one-to-one level. I started feeling today when... You know, when they introduced when they said his name, it's like that all these people cheering for Wes at a packed out, sold out. Sixty five thousand. Sixty five thousand people of an NFL game (laughs) in London. And I could hear his voice cheering for just a kid from the west side of Cincinnati. You know, um, it was beautiful and it was hard, too. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. It was hard, too. And it's it's a testament to,
0: you know, that reaction is a testament to what we've been able to build with the show, and and that we absolutely um, includes Wes because getting to this point and having these opportunities happen because the four of us got together and uh, created something together and created this audience and and a show that um, has been you know really important to us and important to a lot of people that listen to us, and that was part of the. What made this week so special, too, was talking to so many different fans, uh, whether it was them spotting us in the street and talking to us or at the stadium today or at the live show and them sharing what the show has meant to them in uh, good times and bad. And uh, they it's just it it, it works on a, different levels because the, the audience has been with us through good times and bad and we've shared good times and bad with them. Uh, so we're kind of all in this together. Um, and we've all shared the grief of uh, losing Wes. So, you know, grief is something you carry around with you, and it doesn't really ever go away. But I think when you're not doing it alone, uh, that helps. And and as long as we yeah. have this audience, we're not alone uh, with it. So, yeah,
1: saying anything, Rick?
4: Yeah, it just meant so much, and to to meet so many people, and to hear like what he specifically meant to them it was like I don't think there was one person that was just like oh I love your guys show it was like I love your guys show and also like miss Wes every day like it was just so touching and I I said it to you guys in private earlier tonight like just so proud to be even a small part of what you guys have built and to be able to be here with you guys and without you know Wes and and Mark it's a it's a different trip but just proud of proud of you guys and just was so happy to get to experience this again we're we're so lucky
1: yeah I, w- I wish he could know you know I wish yeah. I wish he could know like I wish I could travel back and and tell him in those last few weeks like you know we're gonna be in London this year and they're gonna they're gonna say your name and Place is gonna the place is gonna go crazy and they're gonna show your picture in this full stadium, this celebration of football, like the sport you love. But I, I don't know, somehow I think like he did know, you know, that he does know. Um and and that like we're here, you know. That's that's one thing I do I did really um try to think about. That like we we are here. He's not here, but we're here. And we can we can have gratitude for that moment because, like you said, Dan, you said it beautifully. Like we we are all part of that, and the fans are all part of that. And I felt that talking to, to everyone that came up to us this week. So I just want to thank every, everyone that did come up to us, and and everyone that didn't. You know, everyone that yelled out, and because we feel it, we felt the love, and it really means the world to us.
0: And even the people that didn't come up to us uh, because they don't like us, we like you guys too. <laughs> That's fine. Or even the guy or, even the guy outside the stadium oh. this morning that Yes. Asked for a photo <laughs> of Greg and then said hi to Ricky and then I offered, "Do you want me to take the photo?" And uh, he mentioned some one of Greg's many podcasts I didn't even know. I can't remember you which one it was. He made a JRVP
1: but... reference just to I don't know.
4: But no, you're not. Ex- you're, I know we want to go to bed, but you have to do this justice. So he goes, "Oh my God, Greg, 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 can I get a photo?" And then he's like, "Oh my God, Ricky Hollywood, get in the photo." And Dan like looks at me and no, makes he a was funny more face. like, "Oh
0: hey, Ricky Hollywood." No, oh, yeah, hey. no, he
4: wasn't. No, he wasn't. I was in the photo and. Then and then, and then Dan looks at me and does one of his smug faces, like lifts his eyebrows and he looks. At, so he looks at me first, like "watch this." Then, because he, he thought the guy didn't see him, then he goes to the guy and oh he goes, my God, "You I'm want falling asleep? You want me to take <laughs> the <taking> photo?" S- <laughs> and the guy was like, "No, I'm good," because he didn't know Dan. Uh, it was so funny.
1: Ricky was you loving that walk. Ricky earlier. was loving that walk into the into the stadium. Oh, you you want me to you want me to get in the picture too? You know, it was a lot. <laughs> it was it was awesome.
4: I take but back everything what? I just said. Nice to you guys.
1: No, I,
0: when no. people were screaming from the rafters for the tugboat,
1: wherever that guy was, I got the last <laughs> laugh on him. Oh Someone no! There, were, there Daddy were Rich too. It is fun to just see. There's just like some just Hanses fans, some just oh Ricky yeah, fans. totally. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's great. I love it.
0: Anyway, now we're we're prattling on, but uh, yes, it it was an amazing week. The third time we've been here as a group, um, and uh, we hope to do it again next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, because there is a special connection here um, between our show and this part of the world, and uh, we're just very fortunate to be able to celebrate that. Okay, now we're getting uh, on a plane. Yeah, we yes, we will. But I just want to say, we're getting on a plane, God willing. We'll touch back down in America um, later tomorrow. No show Tuesday, so don't get all upset. We're just recalibrating some clocks. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with another episode and then um, a full week of shows, just one day late. In addition to uh, everything else going on at the live shows, uh, it happens to be Mr. Mark Sessler's uh 38th birthday uh, or thereabouts uh, this weekend, Sunday, in fact. uh, And the listeners or the uh, people in attendance at our live show wanted to share a message with Mark, so we will sign off with that. Happy birthday! Love you, London.